Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in Greenville, South Carolina. I am your host as always, Stan McCune Realtor, right here in the Greenville, South Carolina market. You can find all of my contact information in the show notes if you need to reach out to me for any of your real estate needs. Please remember, if you're listening to the show, please leave a rating, please leave a review to support the show. Please subscribe, hit that subscribe button. If you're watching on YouTube, or if you're interested to watch on YouTube, uh, search for my name, Stan McCune, M-C-C-U-N-E. Um, you can go ahead and um, and search for me there, and you'll find the most recent episodes that I've been recording on YouTube. Please like uh, comment, do all of those things, subscribe to my personal channel there on YouTube. I would appreciate if you could do all of those things and that way we can be connected to each other. You can get future content that I'm going to be producing on this podcast. And who knows, maybe there will be some more content that I will do beyond simply uh, this podcast. I would like to do more content creation if I have the opportunity to do so. Uh, but we'll just have to wait and see because uh, it's it's busy. Even with the market slowing down, it's still busy, um, and so there's a lot uh, a lot to be considered there. All right, today um, I want to look back again. We just had an episode where I looked back at some of the bold predictions that I made uh, towards the end of last year, coming into the beginning of this year, and I want to also kind of do something similar to that, not exactly the same, but to look back at a podcast that I recorded in June of last year, I believe it was episode 122, where I talked about investing in a shifting market. And uh, and we talked about how there have been all of these different markets since 2008 that have just meant different things for real estate investors. And there's, it's always a good time, in my opinion. Now, I'm, I'm not a financial advisor, but it's, in my opinion, it's always a good time to invest in real estate. But that doesn't mean that you maintain the exact same strategy through all of these different markets. As markets shift, you have to shift your strategy as an investor. That's just a, a very crucial part of doing this. And I, and I think that that goes for just about any investment. So... Uh, last June, I broke down uh, kind of different types of markets that we've seen, at least in the Greenville area since 2008, and uh, and I broke them down into chunks, basically the way I saw these markets, and we talked about um, how uh, what these markets meant for different investors, and I discussed, you know, I knew that the market in Greenville and nationwide was shifting at that point. That was, I didn't realize it at the time, but we know now that that was when the housing recession began, was in June of last year, of 2022. So, I saw that happening, and uh, and so I recorded that episode, and it was, it, the idea was, the market is going to shift, which, are we going to go back to one of these previous markets that we've seen in the past in the Greenville area? Um, and so I think it would be fun, uh, just like we looked at my bold predictions, let's look back at this episode as well and see, okay, has the market shifted back to uh, to what it was back back in 2008 or back before that, or is what, or, or after that rather, um, or is what we're experiencing something new? So let's go back to uh, some of my notes from that episode 
where I first started off talking about the Great Recession, the market from what we'll loosely say from 2008 through 2011. This was a very unique market. Um, and to be completely honest, we may never see a market quite like this again. That market, that Great Recession market, saw homes sitting generally almost all of time, all of the time for months at a time. We would see homes sit for years at a time. It's insane that people would even keep their homes on the market for that long. A lot of those homes, though, were foreclosures. There were an unbelievable amount of foreclosures in the market. You could go to HUDHomestore.com, which is where HUD posts their foreclosures, and you could just scroll through dozens of foreclosures. I mean, they were just sitting there. The first house that I bought was one of those uh, types of foreclosures that had been on the market, I think, for around a year. And I had passed it up so many different times and finally decided, you know, there's nothing else that I'm able to, that I've been able to get. Let's just go ahead and make an offer on this house. That's a lowball offer. And HUD accepted the lowball because they just wanted to move the property. But this was a time when there were just incredible opportunities. You could buy single family homes in or near downtown Greenville for around $100,000. You could consistently get rental properties that hit the 2% rule. Uh, for those of you that that don't remember, the two percent rule is when your your monthly rent is essentially two percent of what you purchased the property for. So to to make that practical, you you were actually hit even in some instances even higher than the two percent rule. You could get a twenty five thousand dollar condo and rent it out for six hundred fifty dollars a month. Like this was a treasure trove of opportunities for people that had money and that wanted to purchase rental properties. Um, finding flips was easy, but it was a pain selling because there was so much inventory on the market, so many things selling. You had to be willing to sit on a property for a good year before uh, before you could be confident that it would sell. Um, there were a lot of board contractors just sitting around uh, needing work. Um, it was a weird time to be contractors. Um, a lot of them went out of business during that time. And uh, and so yeah, it was a it was an interesting time. Again, it depended on what you were doing. If you were trying to sell a lot of stuff, a lot of real estate, it was an awful time to be an investor. If you were able to be a buyer during that market, it was a great time. Now, how does this compare to the market now? It is completely different. It is so different. Uh, that market was fueled by foreclosures. Our market today has basically no foreclosures. And you may have heard recently that foreclosures are on the rise. Listen, yes, they have to be. They have to be on the rise, right? We we have had record low foreclosure rates. So of course they're going to come up from record lows. You don't stay at record lows for forever. It's just That's just not how records work, right? If you have a... a, 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 a a team, for instance, in professional sports that is setting records, they cannot keep setting records. At some point, those records have to come to an end for whatever reason. It's the same thing in, in the real estate market. When you have something at a record low or record high, it has to come down, it has to slow down, or it has to come up, or it has to 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 do something. It has to change. And so, so we don't have that. Um, we don't have properties on market that are hitting the 2% rule. That That is just not happening. Um, now, have uh, could there be opportunities off market for that? Um, sometimes, yeah, sometimes there can be. Um, 
are we seeing homes uh, depreciating? Well, we've talked about this uh, a bunch of times. No, you're not going to find opportunities in downtown Greenville for around $100,000. Um, you probably never will again um, unless we experience some kind of major currency crisis uh, where the dollar has been devalued so much that uh, that real estate is just all of a sudden super cheap. But I, I just don't I don't see that type of, of thing happening. Um, finding good flips um, is not impossible in this market. It's been uh, pretty hard to do for the past few years, but in this market, it has gotten a little bit easier, but it's not anything like it was during the Great Recession. That was just, there was just, like I said, all sorts of opportunities out there. Um, and then as far as selling, um, properties taking like up to a year to sell? No, no, we're, we're nowhere near that. Um, I've talked about uh, this show recently, on the show recently, about how there's almost no inventory that's been on the market for three months or greater. Uh, and that's just because inventory is so low as it is. And so, uh, so no, it, it's selling, you can, you can expect to sell within a reasonable time frame in this market if you, assuming that you don't overprice your home. And even those that are like really overpricing their home, even though they're having to, to reduce the prices, as long as they do reduce their prices, they are selling. Now, um, so that very different than, than the recession market. What we're seeing right now doesn't look at all like what we saw in 2008 through 2011, and prognosticating what we will see, again, we've talked about this in the past, but it doesn't look like we're going to return to anything resembling that market anytime soon. What about the post-recession market, 2012 to roughly 2015? Um, we'll just call that, we'll, we'll call the Great Recession market a buyer's market. We'll call 2012 to 2015 a neutral market. Um, it, compared to today, it felt very much like a buyer's market, but really, historically speaking, more of a neutral market. Um, during that market, it wasn't uncommon for homes to sit for a while before going under contract, uh, but there were more homes that would sell quickly. Now, during the Great Recession, there were homes that would sell quickly too. Um, it's not like every single home stayed on the market for forever. Homes priced competitively in desirable areas still sold quickly. And I know that even though I wasn't a realtor back then because I was looking to buy a home during the Great Recession and I kept getting outbid because I, I was finding those unique opportunities for homes that were priced you know, competitively and I found myself in all kinds of bidding wars despite being in the worst recession of my generation. Um, but, but once we got out of the Great Recession, those types of bidding wars and whatnot became more common, but still, homes would still sit for, for quite some time. It wasn't uncommon for homes to sit for, for six to eight months before they'd finally go under contract. There are plenty of options for buyers who might have more properties that they're listed in than they could even see on a given day or in any given day. If you wanted to, to if, if you were in the market to, to buy or, or to move, you could look at what's on the market and and spend an entire Saturday looking at houses, spend an entire Sunday going to open houses and still not exhaust all the options that were out there. There were still plentiful op options. Now, as far as rental properties were concerned, um, the 2% rule more or less went away, uh, but properties that were on market that could hit the 1% rule were abundant. You could then, at that point, you could buy a condo for $40,000 that only had a little deferred maintenance and already had a tenant in it paying 
seven, 700 hours a month. Now, that's not as good as what I said before during the Great Recession, where you could do something very close to that for, for $25,000. But still, that's good to get a 700-hour paying tenant for a property that uh, only costs $40,000. That's good. And I know that you could do that, again, because I did that during that period of time. I bought some condos that we're hitting those exact numbers. And guess what? The, that rent number started to go way, way up as rents in Greenville started started to appreciate. And so um, even though it wasn't as good of a time to buy rental properties as it was during the Great Recession, it was still a good time to invest in rental properties. This is what I'm trying to tell you guys. The rental market, uh, it, w sorry, when it comes to investment properties, there it's always a good time to invest. You just have to know what you're doing. Um, you could creatively find homes on market to flip. Um, although generally speaking, most buyers weren't interested in buying fixer uppers because they had other better options. So th that's been one of the unique things about the past three years is that there's been retail buyers that have had to buy fixer uppers almost against their will because they didn't have any other choice. Uh, everything else they couldn't afford or was just going under contract too quickly or they just couldn't compete because they had a loan, an FHA loan program uh, that they were trying to get financing with. Um, they were competing against cash offers. Um, and so uh, that's something that's been different the past, the past three years. But you go back to 2012, 2015, people on the retail market, they weren't buying fixer-uppers. That just wasn't a thing uh, back in, in that time period. Um you had to assume at that point about three months from the time you listed a house until it closed. Um, if an average home took uh, took two to three months to rehab, then you could expect at least six months from purchase to sale. And that was aggressive, right? Minimum, we're talking minimums, at least three months from the time you list a home until the time that it's sold. Oftentimes it would be longer than that. Um, but not necessarily, it, it didn't have to be dramatically longer than that as long as you price the home correctly. And that's always that's always an important thing. As far as contractors are concerned, um, there were contractors available and it wasn't super hard to find uh, good people to do good work as long as you had uh, the connections. Um, so how does this compare to the market today? Um, well, it, it's similar in some ways. Um in terms of being able to just like spend a weekend, uh, if you're a retail buyer looking at homes and then still have more homes to look at, that's absolutely not the case. Um, now, has it been more common for me lately to actually look at a few homes over on a Saturday with clients or something like that? Yeah, that actually has become something that basically disappeared from 2020 to 2022 that has come back a little bit. Uh, from 2020 to 2022, basically it was just, there were so few homes on the market, they were going under contract so quickly that it was just basically, let's just look at, we'll just look at one home. When the home comes on the market, we go and look at it. Um, if somehow two homes that, that fit your criteria came on the market, you had to immediately look at both of those homes. So that that's different than what it is uh, today, that uh, today you can, in theory, for some homes, wait a few days uh, and then, you know, maybe look at two, three, four homes over a Saturday. It depends, though. It, it depends on, again, how if the home is, is priced well at all, 
And if it's in a desirable area at all, it's probably going to sell quickly. You might not have that that time. Um, so that's different than than what 20, 2012 to, to 2015 was, although it's a little bit less dramatic of a difference than what it was during the Great Recession. Uh, for rental properties, as far as properties that can hit the 1% rule, it's pretty rare to see that on market right now. I'm not saying that you won't see it, but whereas in 2012 to 2015, there was an abundance of those properties. You could find those, you know, all over the place. Right now, it's if you are finding something like that on market, that is a diamond in the rough. So very, very different market than today. Um, the ability to be able to creatively find homes to flip. I think you can still do that today. It's just fewer opportunities um, because the dynamic that I described where where retail buyers back in 2012 and 2015 weren't really looking at fixer-uppers, they still have to look at fixer-uppers today. Unfortunately, the market, because things have gotten to be so expensive and inventory is still so low, retail buyers are still having to seriously consider fixer-upper homes as they are looking at houses. They just don't have enough other options to to consider seriously. Um, and so you have to get, you can find creative flips if you're an investor looking to flip homes, but you have to be even more creative than than back then. Um, and so that's something that uh, that is, uh, again, a little bit more similar than it was during the Great Recession, but still very different. We, we have not returned to anything that resembles the 2012 to 2015 market. Um, as far as the uh, the length of time it, it takes to, to, to list a home and sell it, it's a little bit less now. It's a little bit less. But um, because the market is still in a stabilization process, it's still taking a little bit longer to, to sell um, a home in this market and in this environment than you would expect. Buyers are still, are still figuring it out. Um, but we're starting to see that time period start to speed up, and that has been in indicated by the days on market dramatically slowing down. They're still going up, the days on market until sale number, as we discussed with the March market stats uh, episode that I just did recently. Um, the days on market number still crept up, but only by one day, which tells me that there's a, a good chance that, um, that that number either flatlines or goes down as a result of of all of properties selling more quickly as buyers adjust and realize, oh, okay, there's not going to be this huge influx of inventory that all of a sudden comes on the market and gives me all these options that there aren't today. I need to take seriously my search today and be aggressive right now. We're seeing things um, normalize uh, given the low inventory environment. Normalize by low inventory environment standards, I guess is what I should say there. Um, as far as contractors, um, contractors are, are available, but, um, but it's hard. It's hard to get in right now with a, with a good contractor. Most of them, they already have relationships. Um, they are, are choosy, right? You'll, you'll have contractors that are just like, you know what? I, when you meet with them, they're interviewing you as much as you're interviewing them because they can do that. They can be choosy in this market. And so even though it has slowed down, I've talked to my contractor friends, it's slowed down for a lot of them. A lot of them are still like, you know what? There's enough business going around right now that I'm gonna I'm gonna be choosy with who I work with and I'm I'm gonna give 
preference to those that I already have relationships with. So what about, let's go to the pre-pandemic market. How do we compare it to the pre-pandemic market? 2016 through 2020. This is a seller's market, but not the insane seller's market that we saw after the pandemic, okay? If a home went on the market Tuesday, there's a good chance it would still be there on Sunday. How does that compare to today? Not a good chance, okay? Um, if it comes on the market on Tuesday, if I have a client that's interested in it, I'm not encouraging them to wait until an open house on Sunday to look at it. Let's go ahead and look at it now. Now, if it is like they're saying, they're, if my client is telling me I like this house, but it's about fifteen to twenty thousand more than what I can afford, okay, maybe at that point let's wait, wait it out, and let's just see what happens. Because if it goes under contract right away, it's going to go under contract pretty close to what it's listed for. Whereas if it's still under contract on Sunday, or sorry, if it's still on the market on Sunday, maybe at that point it's like okay. Now we can take a look at it, just see what's going on with this home, and and you know perhaps a seller would be open to negotiate. Probably not fifteen or twenty k, but maybe five or maybe maybe even ten grand. It just kind of depends on the property. There's a, a lot of factors involved there. Um, during that market, that pre-pandemic market, you would occasionally find good deals on the market for rental properties, for flips, etc. But but they're few and and far in between. And of course, since the pandemic. Uh, they became, after the pandemic, I should say, they became virtually non-existent. That has come back a little bit, okay? You will occasionally find good deals on the market. Now, what I will say is that there are more good deals for flips than there are for rentals. And for a lot of people, at least on market, for a lot of people, what they're finding is that really the best opportunities for rentals are for short-term rentals, for Airbnb types of properties, or perhaps 30-day rentals, things like that. We do see some things coming on market with decent regularity that I think could be, that could have short-term rental potential. Um, but as far as properties that, in my opinion, would make for great long-term rentals, um, it the market has not shifted back to what it was in 2016 to 2020, where you could find you know a duplex, for instance, in like Malden for $170,000. That same duplex today is $270,000. Well, rents haven't gone up uh, enough to to offset the difference between those two numbers. And so that's what has happened kind of on the long-term rental market. That that doesn't necessarily mean that you should avoid long-term rentals altogether. Um, again, that's that's more of a question of your portfolio and, and what you're trying to do balancing out your investments. It may make sense, uh, particularly if you're doing like a 1031 exchange, to purchase some sort of long-term rental that maybe the numbers aren't there yet, but you can anticipate that somewhere down the line in the in the future, as the Greenville market continues to grow, that the rental numbers uh, and and the cash coming in, the income coming in from that property will be better. Um, because of uh, because of that market, that 2016 to 2020 pre-pandemic market uh, being a seller's market, you really didn't see lowballs accepted, uh, with a few very rare instances of major fixer uppers getting. Uh, low cash offers. So um, this is a question that I guess sometimes is: uh, Are are you seeing a lot of uh, a lot of sellers accepting lowball offers? And of course, that's kind of a subjective term. 
what is, what is a lowball offer? Um, but the short answer is, no matter how you define it, we're seeing sellers get, as we looked at in March, over 98% of what a, a house is listed for. So no, not really. Um, so we're, we're not really, this is kind of similar to what the pre-pandemic market was. We're not really seeing uh, lowball offers getting accepted really in, in any of any sort. And that 98% number is very close to what it was during the pre-pandemic market. We were, we were hovering right around 98% uh, of what a house was listed for was typically what it sold for. And so we have very much returned to, uh, from that standpoint, what that market looked at, looked like. Um, for rental properties, you could find some pretty good deals for properties that needed some work. You could hit the 1% rule now if you're willing to put in the sweat equity, right? You had to find a fixer-upper, fix it up, and then at that point, you could theoretically hit the 1% rule. Um, I don't really feel like this market has, has gotten there yet. This is where I consider this market right now to still be very different because so many people are in the market for rentals. Um, we, it's just a saturated market with buyers looking for properties to rent. It's pretty hard to do that. I'm not going to say it's impossible. A lot of it comes down to, like if you're a contractor, for instance, it, and you're able to, to put in the sweat equity 100% yourself and not have to pay all those labor costs, then yeah, I, I could see it maybe being more feasible. But um, but it's difficult. Again, it's not. It's still not an easy market to find traditional rental properties in. If you're willing to go the short-term rental Airbnb route, um, you have more options at your disposal at that point. Um, with uh, with house flips, you had to again going back to the pre-pandemic market. You had to be careful with your flips because without massive appreciation year on year, if you went over budget, you could find yourself underwater with no contingency plan. Um, you couldn't just wait it out a year and bank oodles of appreciation. Um, this is very close to what the market is right now. And I and I know some people personally that have gotten hosed in this market who focus on flips and they had just gotten used to this rapidly appreciating market from the past few years that when that slowed down and now we have appreciation looking a lot more normal, looking like what it looked pre-pandemic, um, they found themselves uh, underwater on some properties. Um, so the market looks very similar to that market um, in that regard. Um, I'm, I already mentioned this, but I have written down here that homes typically sold for 2% less than what they were listed for, with sellers typically paying some or all of buyer's closing costs and typically took a few weeks to go under contract. Bidding wars on particularly desirable homes were common. I just read that straight off of these are my notes from, from June of last year. I could read that. Um, that. That could be a note that I wrote for the market right now. That sounds almost exactly what is going on in the market currently. Um, that uh, to a T basically is, is what the current market is. Um, contingencies were acceptable and cash wasn't extremely common. Um, so contingencies, such as home sale contingencies, inspection contingencies, things of the like, um, they have come back in vogue. Um, those contingencies were very difficult to, to get through, particularly home sale contingencies um, and, and some other types of contingencies were very, very rare from 21 to 22. Those have come back. 
Now, what hasn't reverted is where I said that cash wasn't extremely common from 2016 to 2020. Cash purchases and cash offers are much more common in this market. There's a lot more cash flowing through this market than there was in 2016 to 2020. Um, so that means that you're still, if you have contingencies, there's a good likelihood that you're still competing with those cash offers. And so it's not quite as easy still to get them through as it was during that pre-pandemic market, um, but it, it is easier. Um, and I wrote down here in uh, pre-pandemic contractors were busy and unreliable. Um, I think that there's a lot of truth to that in this market as well, although I already mentioned um, the, there are good contractors out there. Um, it, it just might be hard to break in with one if you don't already have a pre-established uh, relationship with one. So out of all of these, by far, the market has reverted back to that 2016 to 2020 pre-pandemic market. The biggest difference is that there's still an imbalance of demand and supply that favors sellers over buyers. It was very much a seller's market from 2016 to 2020, but it, it's still, in my opinion, more of a seller's market now than it was back then. But more so than it being more of a seller's market, I want to nuance this a bit. I feel like it is less of a buyer's market. I don't know if that makes any sense, but the the... The point I'm trying to make there is during 2016 to 2020, interest rates were still low, inventory was higher, um, and so there was it was a better market to be a buyer in. Um, but a lot of the metrics from the seller standpoint mirror the today what the market was in 2016 to 2020. So it's not like it's dramatically better or dramatically worse for sellers now than it was back then. It's pretty similar. And that's the result of, for, from a seller's perspective, demand being artificially suppressed a bit. I guess maybe you could, some people might argue it's not artificial, but demand being suppressed by these higher interest rates, but still being strong. And, and as I've said a gazillion times, being stable. Um, combined with the, the fact that inventory is still very low, although not as low as it was, uh, as it was from 2021 to 2022. And that's just a, a different dynamic than, again, than it was in 2016 to 2020. Um, but that impacts buyers more than it does sellers at the end of the day. And so, so that, I think, is the most interesting difference about this market versus the pre-pandemic market. Now, Million-dollar question, right? Do I see it reverting back to that post-recession market or potentially that great recession market? At the moment, no. I, I don't see that happening. Um, we would need some kind of an influx in inventory for that to happen. And I just don't see where that inventory is going to come from. That is that is the the million-dollar question. If, if we knew, like everyone... That, that believes, these 2008 housing people in particular, that believe that we're going back to the, to the Great Recession from a housing standpoint, none of them can identify where all of this inventory is going to come from that caused, uh, in a large part, what happened in the years following 2008. This, this great uh, decrease in housing prices, this great uh, 
tremendous buyer's market that we haven't seen since then. That was fueled by inventory. That was fueled by a lot of other things. But from a rudimentary standpoint, the the higher inventory um, is what pushed that. Where is that higher inventory going to come from? I don't know. I've not seen it. I'm not saying it's impossible for it to happen, but you've heard my bold predictions. I don't see it. I don't see it happening. And um, and so right now, I think we're going to continue in this market that resembles 2016 to 2020 a bit from a seller's perspective, but from a buyer's perspective is somewhere in between that and the uh, and the the COVID uh, market that was a very difficult buyer's market. We're, we're basically just in a COVID light market if you're a buyer right now, where it's, it's challenging because of how low the inventory is, because of how high the interest rates are, uh, but it's not as challenging. We don't have one month or sub one month of inventory like we did back then. There are homes that are priced fairly reasonable that are sitting for a week or two before they go under contract. That didn't happen during COVID, but we're still having a ton of multiple offer bidding war types of situations on properties that have unique features, properties going on under contract within 24 to 48 hours. It's still happening tremendously. And we're still having buyers on the retail market having to entertain fixer uppers because of, of they're just not being a whole lot of other options available for them. And so that's where we are today. We are we're in a market that uh that is similar to this market that we had before the pandemic happened, but it's different in some very key ways. So we will continue to keep track of that. And if it does shift, you will be the first to know if it shifts any further. Obviously it will shift at some point. Um, but for it to shift more in the buyer's direction, we need to see inventory uh, basically come out of nowhere. And I just don't know where it's going to come from at this point. If anything, my concern is that once uh, at some point down the road, mortgage rates start to drop, that we will see it uh, shift more in the seller's favor. And at that point, it's going to become chaotic again. Uh, so enjoy. <laughs> if you're a fellow realtor watching this right now, and uh, if you're feeling a little bit slow, enjoy that because there's a pretty good chance that it's going to pick up again. I would say, if not this year, then for sure next year. Um, with And by picking up, I don't necessarily mean a lot more closings. I just mean a lot busier. I wish that automatically translated to a lot more closings. But in this industry, those two things are not necessarily tied together. So uh, on that very happy note... <laughs> I will end this uh, this episode. I appreciate you guys watching and listening. Uh, please rate, review, like, subscribe, all of those things on YouTube, on Apple uh, Podcasts, on Spotify, whatever app or platform you're using. Uh, please uh, go ahead and reach out to me with the contact information that is in the show notes for any of your Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Pickens, all of those areas around for all of your real estate needs in those areas. I appreciate you guys, and we will talk again next time.